Hi, this is Ariana Huffington, and these are the books of my life. It's not all that often you get to interview a genuine global superstar. But I think those terms apply absolutely to Ariana Huffington. And inevitably, trying to condense her achievements into a single soundbite is certainly a bit of a challenge. She's the former editor-in-chief of the Huffington Post for a start. She's written 15 books. In 2016, she founded Thrive Global, which is a platform designed to limit stress in the workplace. And of course, she's been included on Time magazine's list of the world's 100 most influential people and the Forbes most powerful women list. See, even the stingiest highlights reel goes on a bit. In this episode of Books of My Life, we discussed why Ariana owes so much to the writings of Marcus Aurelius and talked about which books have had the greatest impact on her family. It's a fascinating insight into the mind of one of the most powerful women alive today. And apologies for all the background noise. I was speaking to Ariana at the World Government Summit in Dubai, which is not a quiet place. Before we get to any of that, though, just a very quick shout out to say, do please subscribe to the Books of My Life podcast. We'd love to have you with us every week. And we have some great guests coming up. Owen, send us your own choices to booksofmylife at thenational.ae. Okay, here's Ariana Huffington on the Books of My Life. I started by asking whether it mattered to her to be included on these big lists of influential people. You know, I'm very focused on on what I'm doing now, you know, having left the Huffington Post two years ago to launch Thrive Global, to help people live less stressful and uh, burnt out lives. So I'm very focused on that. It's such a huge goal. Mm. And um, the lists are just... uh, an indication of the fact that people are resonating mm. to what I'm trying to do. So it's more about what you're doing rather than the personal, uh, the personal brand, if you like. Definitely. Okay, yeah, that's good to know. So before you were sort of uh, focusing on well-being and reducing stress in the workplace, and when you were at the height of your, uh, I suppose, flat-out uh, work schedule, did you ever have a chance to read? Oh, yes. Reading has been a passion of mine ever since I was a little girl. Okay. My mother tells the story of how on my fifth birthday, um, I I threw out all the little girls who had come to my birthday party because they were interrupting my reading. (laughs) Tell me what you're reading at five years old. Who knows what I was reading in Greek because I was born in Athens. But then when I... um, when I left Greece and went to Cambridge to study economics, um, I organized a debate around the changing role of women at the Cambridge Union. I had been elected president of the union, and one of the things the president does is picks a topic for their presidential debate. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a publisher reached out to me and invited me to write a book. And I wrote back and I said, um, thank you so much, but I can't write. <laughs> and they wrote back and said, can you have lunch? And I had lunch and um, that that was led to a contract to write my first book. And I was 23. I discovered I could write and um, I have since done 15 books. So I remember reading a lot of uh, novels and I loved all the Russians, you know. Tolstoy and Dostoevsky and the fact that they address the big questions of what is life about and and um, 
how can we live a good life? But they did it in a way which was not preachy and didactic, but storytelling. And and I I had to learn as a writer to become a storyteller. My second book was very dry. Mm. It was a book on political leadership, which mm-hmm. um, which I think just sold two thousand copies. Okay. Okay. <laughs> was was not at all successful. But it was after that, yeah. when I wrote my first biography, that mm-hmm. I sort of learned how to tell a story. Okay. Well, Craig, what age were you when you were reading uh, Tolstoy and Dostoevsky? Well, I think I was like um, um, a teenager. You oh, know, wow, okay. you were, yeah. I, a teenagers would read these books. Yeah. In fact, they are part of a lot of school curricula. God, I was obviously way behind the schedule in that case. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, I was a bookworm. Yeah. You were probably yeah. having a much more interesting life than I was as a teenager. <laughs> I was in a very bookish environment. Okay. We didn't have any money. Mm. We lived in a one-bedroom apartment, but mm. we read a lot. <laughs> yeah. My mother was self-taught. She never went to college. Mm-hmm. But she read and read and passed books on to us and underlined them. I was, I'm a big underliner. Tell me some names that she passed on to you. I'd love to hear. Well, you know, she actually was also very big in, um, into philosophy. Okay. And, um, you know, the Greeks... Plato and Aristotle, mm-hmm. the, for us, they were not like big, intimidating mm-hmm. names of philosophers. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. people who taught you how to live life. I mean, That's like Socrates' dictum, the unexamined life is not worth living, um, or know thyself. All these things were like part of, mm-hmm. of what I was taught at, mm-hmm. in the books I read, in the conversations around the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. And tell me, when you... Um when you moved to Cambridge, did you did you find reading was um, quite a reassuring presence in your life? I mean, it must have been quite strange making making such a big move. It was incredibly strange yeah. going from a very very um, loving and close mm. uh, Greek family to Girton College, Cambridge, which was a very Gothic building yeah. where I had to feed them the heater in my bedroom with shillings. No way. <laughs> And then um, had to walk five minutes to the bathroom in this yeah. in, interminable cold corridors. Yeah, it was very hard. And books definitely were um, always a solace. And I, I, I read a lot of um, English writers, mm. including old English writers. I remember like Benjamin Disraeli, who mm. was prime minister, but mm. also wrote this amazing book, Sibyl, a novel. Mm. 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 Um about how it was, the theme of the book was really about how changes had to happen in the way uh, England worked, you mm. know, in the way it treated its working classes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was done in the form of a novel to capture people's imagination. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it sort of remained one of my favorite books. Okay. So Disraeli, what else were you, were you reading while you were at Cambridge? Can you remember? So um, I definitely... Um, read what has become my absolute favorite book on leadership. Oh, this is good. Um, which is called Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. So um, Marcus Aurelius, as you know, was a Roman emperor. Yes, of course. But he was also a Stoic philosopher. And so what was wonderful, and what I think is just a great lesson for all of us, is that he was very much in the arena he he fought wars, he dealt with plagues and betrayals and everything that can happen. 
But at the same time, he was a philosopher, so he would go to bed and, and write about how do you live a life where, um, where you are not perpetually mm. thrown off balance mm. by what life brings you. Mm. How, do mm. you. how are you able to stay in the eye of the hurricane? Mm. I love the sort of concept of being in the eye of the hurricane because it really means that no matter what's going on around you, mm what turmoil is going on, you can remain centered. And from that place, you can make better decisions and mm. deal with problems in a more effective way. I, I noticed that um, a lot of what you've uh, mentioned so far, um, you know, either the, some of the Russian novelists or some of the, some of the classical philosophers, um, it's all quite heavy stuff. Do you, do you have um, time to read anything sort of as light relief as well or, or, or not really? Uh, you know, I actually love children's books. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> I love... Um, Mythology and yeah. uh, like starting with Aesop fa Aesop's fables, amazing, yeah. Um, the which are all like uh, fables about life, the mm. tortoise and the hare. Yeah, of course. And um, and I think they're worth. I, I still read them because um, they are not just for children. Obviously, I read them to my children when mm. they were young. Mm. Mm. Um, I mean, I, lo I love Dr. Seuss's books too. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, did, because did your children enjoy those as well? Absolutely. Yeah. They they love Dr. Seuss. Okay. And uh, and it's kind of amazing how they have uh, withstood the test of time. Sorry, at this point the background noise all became a bit much. But to paraphrase, without the sound of aeroplanes overhead and birds in the rafters, I asked Ariana what book she wishes she could give to her younger self. Meditations by Marcus Aurelius has had the biggest influence on me. It, mm. It's still on my nightstand, yeah. heavily underlined. Mm. I, w I wish I had read it even younger. And yeah. um, it's actually the book that I've... I've given to friends as a gift more okay. often than any other book. So um, at the moment, um, I'm, I'm reading a, a book by Yuval. Um, he first wrote a book called The Sapiens. And now, is it Humankind? And now he wrote a book called Homo Deus. Homo Deus. Yes. And, and it's kind of a wonderful book about our, at our times, but also about how we got here. Um, and uh, what I love about him is that he is, he's obviously this intellectual, writes these amazing books, but he takes two months a year to go and do a silent retreat, a silent meditation retreat. Oh, that's interesting. Do you do a lot of that? I don't, I've never done a meditation retreat, okay. uh, certainly not a silent one, but I do meditate every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wanted to talk a bit about that. So, so since the pace of your life has changed and you've really focused on, on, on well-being and, and, and trying to prevent burnout in people in the workplace, has that, has that, has that freed you up to, to read more? I mean, has that, has that been no, a side effect? No, because that's not actually what the emphasis of what we're doing is. Mm. Uh, the emphasis is not on slowing down. It's on doing your life more effectively. Which presumably does free up more time, though. It actually frees up more time, first of all, to sleep. Okay. Because sleep is foundational. Mm. And we now have the science to prove it. And that's why I wrote an entire book on that, The Sleep Revolution, mm. to show people the latest science of how when we get enough sleep, we are 
able to run on all cylinders and actually do things faster. So you're right, it does free up time. And um, that time is definitely spent for me working out as well as reading. I love to read um, just before I go go to sleep, but only physical books Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I don't have any screens by my bed. So no Kindles lying around the house? No, I, I mean, I have a Kindle running for when I'm traveling. Yeah. But um, it's just wonderful to have a tactile, yeah, <laughs> physical yeah. object to underline in yeah, bed. Yeah, I'm amazed that you've still got the energy to read books like Amadeus uh, before you uh, before you go to bed. That's a kind of a mad, a mad, uh, <laughs> a mad way to shut down. I, I, well, you know, because it's a, it puts everything in perspective. That's mm-hmm. what I like. That's the great thing about philosophy or poetry, that um, that they make you realize that whatever you are dealing with. It's not as overwhelming as you may have thought it was. So someone who uh, struggles to sleep a lot, how much sleep were you getting when you were editor-in-chief at Huffington Post and how much sleep do you get now? Well, I lost, I mean, I collapsed from exhaustion two years into building the Huffington Post. Mm. So that's when all my habits changed. And um, as you know, the latest science shows that most of us need somewhere between seven and nine hours. Mm -hmm. What we need exactly varies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, between seven and nine hours, unless you have a genetic mutation and you can get away with four. <laughs> um, but only one and a half percent of the population has that mutation. So for me, I found that when I started getting seven to eight hours at the Huffington Post, which was for nine years of my leadership there, I was so much more effective. Mm. I could get things done faster, make better decisions. Mm. Mm. So it's not a trade-off between sleep and performance. Sleep mm. improves performance, and mm. athletes show that. Mm. Mm. And, and, and did you notice that almost instantaneously once you start sleeping? Yes, more? yes. That's Even amazing. before you get your full um, amount of sleep that you need, you begin to notice the difference. Sorry, we've gone way off topic there, but it's very interesting to hear about it. And uh, as you know, people who don't sleep very much like talking about nothing more than how little they sleep. Well, also because you, when you're sleep deprived, also you don't enjoy life as much, course, I yeah. find, because you still can do things, yeah. but it becomes more transactional. Let's get back to some books, Ariana Huffington. Um, what was the last book that made you cry? Can you remember? Oh, I cry so much. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a list of them then. I cry so much when I... When I read books, even like um, even like silly books, or um, um, as we discussed, children's books, like it doesn't have to be some profound revelation. No, sure. It's just any kind of sign of humanity. Um, I don't remember when the what was the last book I cried on, but it happens a lot. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and, and it sounds like you're, you know, you're quite a prolific reader. Um, is, is there a book that you've, uh, that you've tried to finish many times and never been able to quite get through? I know a lot of people obviously bring up James Joyce at this point. Have you, have you managed to get through <laughs> Ulysses? Yeah, I, read, I, did read, um, I did read Ulysses when I lived okay. in England. Um, How did you find it? I loved it. He's just such an amazing character. That in a way, he's kind of a bit of a stoic philosopher because mm. he has this kind of pretty mundane existence, mm. um, but gets through it and finds meaning in it. It's, I think it's kind of an amazing metaphor mm. for how we approach our life affects dramatically. 
Mm. Anyway, I, I, I didn't let you answer the first question, which was, is there a book that you haven't finished? I'd, I'd love to hear it, if so. Oh, definitely. I remember, actually, when I was at Cambridge, um, I was reading a book by Myrdal called Asian Drama, mm. Asia, and, uh, which was interminable, unbelievably long. And um, we used to have tutorials. I don't know if they still have them, but so I went to have my tutorial with my tutor, and he said to me, so how much of the book have you read? And I said, all of it, lying. <laughs> and, uh, and he said to me, oh, really? Because I don't think the author has read all of it. He was, <laughs> so that was like uh, a real put down. <laughs> Quite a relief, I But imagine. I will never forget it. <laughs> and what about other fiction um, that you haven't been able to get through? I mean, I, I mean, the list for me is endless. I mean, I, I don't know if it's the same in your house, but I have sort of half-opened, half-read books all over the place, which I never go back to. Are you quite determined to get through stuff? Well, not if it's like a book like um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn's Gulag Archipelago, <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, big uh, books like that. I yeah. mean, I sometimes just kind of go into it. Or often books written by friends that I feel I have to at least know what they've written. You know what I'm going to ask, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't ask. But I, I cannot claim that I read it from beginning to end. Of but I, um, I read, I call it reading into it. Okay, that, that's, that, that, sounds, uh, that sounds reasonable. And, 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 and you talked about giving away um, Marcus Aurelius to a lot of friends. Uh, is there a book that you've, uh, that you've loaned out and, uh, and never seen again? That seems to be quite a perennial problem for people. Oh, I don't loan my books. Oh, you don't? Oh, wow. No, okay. because I, my books are all underlined. I'm incapable of reading mm. without underlining. So uh, they're precious because of my underlinings, because then you can go back to a book and very quickly capture the key points that most impress you. It's not like you can loan it and if you never get it, you buy another one. It's your very unique copy, right? It's my very unique copy. Yeah. And, and presumably also, you know, your own sort of scrawlings, for want of a better word, I'm sure they're not scrawlings, but notes and underlinings in the, uh, in, in the book are, are, are quite exposing in some way, you know? It's yeah. quite revealing to how you feel about it. And actually talking about how you feel about a book can, can, be, quite a, can be quite an intimate thing to do. You may not want to share that information. Yeah, no, I don't mind that so much because I'm, I'm fine about sharing it. It's mm. more, I don't want to lose it. <laughs> Um, so I've been really struck by um, a number of the things that you mentioned have, have referred back to this idea of stoicism. And to me that, and, I, and perhaps I'm wrong, and I'm sure you'll correct me if I am, but that seems to be slightly at odds with, with the idea of, of, of well-being within a workplace where it's sort of, you know, being stoic and sort of grinding on through is not, and not quite actually what, what you're now advocating. Oh, is, but is, is stoicism there... is not about grinding through. Stoicism is, um, is more... Um, like the serenity prayer of mm -hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. I don't know if mm -hmm. you know that, yeah, which is basically about uh, knowing the difference between things we can change and things we cannot. Mm -hmm. And when dealing with things we cannot change, uh, bringing grace into it. So having an attitude of acceptance. Mm -hmm. And when there are things that we can change, working very hard to change them. Mm -hmm. So I think it's that distinction that stoicism teaches us mm -hmm. and it dramatically transforms the way we live our lives um i know we haven't got long so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you the final question which we like to ask all of our guests uh you're going away for a year and you can only take three books with you 
what are they going to be? And they can't be ones that you already mentioned so far, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. One of them at least has to be okay. Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Okay, you can help. Yeah, Marcus Aurelius, you can help. Okay. Well, the other one would be Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. I would take The Tempest, which is my favorite um, uh, Shakespeare play, which I still don't fully understand. So I feel if I'm on a desert island, I'll have an opportunity to read it many, many times. Good setting for it as well. A good setting, yes, a good setting <laughs> for it, especially if it's a remote island. Exactly. And, um, and hopefully understand. And then I would really like to take a children's book. Okay. Because I'd like to be able to sort of reconnect with that childlike wonder about life. And I'm trying to think of what I would take since I cannot take Aesop or Dr. Seuss, mm. since we already uh, talked about it. I think I might take Goodnight Moon. Okay, I don't know that. Can you tell you me? You don't know that? No. So Goodnight Moon is a book that... Um, Practically every parent um, has read to their children. Okay. It's a book that helps them disconnect with the outside world and surrender to sleep. Gosh. So it's a really good lesson for adults too because the truth yeah. is that we carry our daily activities with us when we get into bed and that's why it's so hard to mm. unwind and, and be course, able to sleep. Gosh, I clearly need to have a word with my parents because uh, I've never heard of it and I can't sleep. So oh, obviously, there's always okay. a, there's you've obviously got a connection. To get good, there. Uh, good Night Moon, but also okay. I did a parody of it, which is on Audible. You can download it called Good Night Smartphone. <laughs> okay. Which is for adults. Okay. That sounds excellent. Um, Ariana Huffington, those were the books of your life. Thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, that was. Books of My Life, a new podcast from The National. I really hope it will inspire you to, as Ariana said, put your phone down and pick up a book for a few minutes or possibly even more every day. Thank you. Thank you.